on this week of Marketing Mojo. A marketing budget of nil, right? We have to be creative. We don't have any extra funds right now to pay big bucks for beautiful work. So in late December, I reached out to 10 local influencers to barter with them. Welcome to the Marketing Mojo podcast. I'm your host, Sajid Islam. This is the show where we introduce you to local small businesses who have made innovative changes during challenging times. Listen on to discover their stories, celebrate their efforts, and hear their advice on how to thrive as a small enterprise in the digital age. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I have with me Bettina from Chaya Tacos. Chaya Tacos is a local business here in Washington, D.C. metro area. I found them through our team member, Hallie, who was uh, you know, basically reaching out and looking for cool businesses we can interview and talk to about you know, how we are adapting and growing during this pandemic and you know i will have to tell you this is the absolute best part of what i do which is i get to meet cool founders cool business owners and geek out on things that really matters to me which is how are we growing our business not just during the pandemic but all across with that i'm gonna stop here and i'm gonna ask bettina to introduce herself and her story behind chaya tacos bettina Hi, Sajid. So nice to be here. Yes, I am the co-founder of Chaya Tacos. We have two locations in Washington, D.C. and hoping to grow the, you know, the pre-pandemic, we were, you know, we were basically figuring out what next steps were to continue our growth path. We're an unconventional taco shop. We serve insanely delicious food made almost entirely with vegetables. And if that sounds weird and esoteric, I promise you it isn't. We have found a way to take good for you, delicious local seasonal food and prepare it in such a way that our braised mushroom taco tastes as good as mushrooms can be, even if you you don't like them. Or our creamy kale and potato taco, which is our most popular on the menu right now seasonally we've got i'm trying to think we have smoky collard taco we have our roasted butternut squash with caramelized onion and goat cheese and we we have our chipotle sweet potato taco so if it sounds strange it is nothing more than absolutely delectable and um, we've been in business since 2013 we initially started in the farmers markets here in DC because we had to test this idea out to make sure that we actually were going to find a customer willing to try what we were making and try we did and within six weeks of, of opening up at the farmers market in 2013 the Washington Post had written about us and by the end of that first farmers market season we'd been named one of the top nine tastemakers in the city so Fast forward to that story, a couple years later, we opened our first location in Georgetown and, and two years later, we opened our second location downtown. And going gangbusters, we then were hit in mid-March with what everyone knows as COVID-19. And so that's what this podcast is about. And I think it's about the shift that we had to make to make it through and making it through we are. I mean, we are... I am shepherding our original store in Georgetown and my business partner is shepherding our Chinatown store 
which just simply means that we're making sure things are staying constant and our employees are keeping their jobs and our customers are happy and our food is top notch. And um, yes, we are working in there um, occasionally, not every day anymore, not like it was at the beginning of the pandemic, but we are actually keeping our muscles in shape and our wheels greased. And I do believe that Chaya will make it out of this um, on top, so. Great, thank you, Bettina. Now, just for you know, anyone who's listening out there who does not you know, understand your business, would it be possible for you to create like a baseline or a foundational, like you know, how business was and then 2019 or COVID-19 happened, right? 2020. And I'm pretty sure like every other businesses, it came to a screeching halt, right? All of a sudden, yes. we most likely, no, no one actually saw this coming. And so can you kind of help us understand that? Like, you know, how, again, we don't have to go deep into the financial, but just like, you know, in general, like give us some, you know, idea if you can, like how things well, happen. I, yeah, I'll speak to our original shop because as of, you know, as of March 15th, which was the day that we officially, you know, closed the doors for regular service, we didn't close the business. We just basically put tables in front of our doors, kept them about three feet in so that folks could come in in the colder, it was still cold back in March, you know, inclement weather, come in. We moved, you know, created attractive tabletop menu selections, brought our point of sale handheld devices to the front of the store and took orders from there. So we weren't allowing people in. I mean, as an elevated fast casual, we were poised to shift to an all to go model from the the start of, of the pandemic. I'd been paying very close attention to what was happening in China and in Italy in particular, and had already been alerting my colleagues and my team members that operations were going to have to shift dramatically. So to minimize the concerns of our employees and to follow the suggested social distancing requirements, we did make that decision on March 14th, which was the day before we did it, to close our shops doors to the public. You know, right ahead of, it was actually just ahead of the mayor's directive. We moved to limited hours, we pared down the menu initially, and we took to only taking takeout and delivery. We were already on several of the apps, third-party apps, so we just kept on that. But going from, you know, the Georgetown store, when we opened up there in November 2019, we essentially hit it out of the park. It was far more successful than we even projected in our pro forma. We do have investors and we did run guesstimate numbers of where we thought we'd be and we and we and we've exceeded that. Fast forward four years to the pandemic and we are at probably 50% of sales now over last year. Sometimes it's been far worse than that. Our downtown shop is suffering much more. But our landlords, we immediately got on it with our with our landlords who have been amazing partners. You really do have to be careful who you get into, into business with. And, and we are so glad we vetted them as much as they vetted us in both locations. So that's a very important lesson for us that, that we really came to truth when, the, as we should say, blank hit the fan. <laughs> so 
I hope that answers your question. We are we are limping along. We have never shut down except for we did shut down for one week in early June after the death of George Floyd. And it felt like trying to tackle tacos when a much bigger issue was going on along with a pandemic. So we shut down, we gave our staff a little break this summer, and then we opened back up. We've had to shut our doors for inclement weather or rioting or things like that. But essentially, we, we've just kept going. We've just kept the business going. Very nice. Yeah. Have you changed? I mean, I do here that you know you mentioned that you know your business was already poised to be a two go kind of model right yes was there anything else you did after or during or after well we're still in the pandemic in some sense but did you change the menu or added things to the menu that you probably did not were not in plans but now because of this changing circumstances you just like hey why don't we do this Yes, the answer is there's there, the, the silver lining of COVID has meant that we've been able to actually experiment with some things, some menu expansions that we wanted to make. We've worked on systemizing efficiencies within our own operations. We've discussed and changed up things that aren't working, although things that maybe aren't selling so much now it's more COVID related than, you know, a menu item related, but right away. So within a couple of days of Mayor Bowser, you know, closing restaurants, she changed, she and the alcohol, you know, regulators changed the rules about, uh, about selling beer, wine and cocktails to go. And they made it very easy. If you already had a beer and wine or a liquor license to just go in, simply answer a couple of questions put your license number in and you were then able to begin selling booze out the door, which was, which was a nice thing because at the beginning of the pandemic, I think everybody was looking for ways to uh, feel normal or, or whatever, whether that's being normal or not. It's just that that was something new and fun. And so that was a creative thing that the city did that we hopped right on board with. We also, within the first couple of weeks, set up a, a twice weekly supper club and we began offering two types of and two sizes of enchiladas, which is the menu, a menu item that we knew we could do very well, but that we just hadn't had time to develop and figure out where it was going to fit in the line and in the production. And so we began doing that. And that item has very much moved on to our menu and is doing very well. You know, it takes our hand griddled corn tortillas. It takes our amazing, delicious black beans. It takes the sauces we're already making. And we just sort of repackage the food to create something very different, but made from the same ingredients. And one of the things when we do introduce a new menu item at Chaya, we think about is using what we already have in inventory, what we're already ordering so that we're not adding a bunch of new ingredients to our list of things that we, we keep on the shelves and that we order. And so we also, um, at the beginning of the pandemic and, um, all of this was sort of before anybody else was doing it. You know, we were at the very start of introducing food prepared and ready to go in larger portions for families, for couples, for whatever. But we also opened up a marketplace and we began taking our tortillas and packing them in, in bags of 12. And we started taking our 
beans and rice and putting them into larger quart containers. So you could use them for different uses at home. You know, you could put them on eggs in the morning or whatever. Um, so we were ahead of the curve on that as well as the supper club, but then every restaurant started to get in on the same game. And so that, proved to be more work than it was worth. So then we ended up just putting the items on our ordering systems, whether you're ordering online at Chaya or you were using Uber Eats, a lot of those things were there and many of them still remain. So those kind of menu expansions have proven very fruitful. The items that that people have loved but don't really make sense with our hours of operation are we we tested a few breakfast items, a breakfast enchilada so that you could have something ready to go while the staff is in getting the shop ready. Um, there'd be some things in the, you know, some breakfast enchiladas in the warming box, which you could just grab and go, but there's just not enough people around doing that in Georgetown. And um, that's where we were testing that. We also tested a savory oatmeal, but those weren't as quite as successful. So that's good to know, right? You either think that this isn't the time or the offering isn't right. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So in terms of, you know, building demand mm-hmm. or creating demand, which is AKA marketing, what are you doing differently or what are you, what did you add on to marketing to build the demand, to create new customers? Are you doing anything differently? What you were doing before? Can you touch on that a little bit? So, I mean, we've always been very visual, Chaya's social media. And I think Instagram and Instagram stories are where it's really at for us because our food and the presentation of it and the, 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 the items that go into making it are just beautiful, right? And so the content that we can create is pretty beautiful. In terms of shifting our tone or our tactics about marketing, I do believe so. I think uh, I run all of our social media. We're down to a not a skeletal team, but a pretty small team because we're in this pandemic. And and I've always actually had a large hand in it. And so I opted to become more vulnerable and transparent in how we as a team, as a company, were feeling about what was going on and how the pandemic was affecting us at Chaya, us as founders, our team members, our neighbors, our customers, our DC community. And I do believe that it has only strengthened our resolve and our customers' loyalty. And I would double that up with talking about social justice issues too that really you know sprang to the forefront very vividly this summer and i think we did not shy away from these things because that would seem inauthentic if 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 that would be the right word to do so so i mean unquestionably this has been the most difficult most difficult time that many of us, most of us have faced, uh, but definitely, of course, for my company. And the severity of this, you know, COVID crisis has put our business and our community in completely uncharted territory. 
Chaya was built on bringing people together over delicious, healthy food grown and produced locally and seasonally here. And we're determined to get back to doing what we love as soon as it's safe to do so. And since March 15th, we've been doing our best to just be creative and to offer what we feel people may want and need. But there's still so much uncertainty in each day that we have to continually iterate how we're doing things. But those of us who work in the food world are already in the trenches and we believe that we have to step up and we have to feed those communities and, and, and those in need across our city. And this might mean, you know, our team members. So we just continue to explore every possible way that Chaya can be part of the solution as well as the healing process so that, you know, whether it's our small internal community as a company or the community that surrounds us in our neighbor, in our neighboring, you know, neighborhoods, we want to be part of that. So. Well, thank you. Uh, um, thank you. Cause I think you had a great point and I really admire that, you know, um, you shared what you stood for or you stand for, and was vocal about it on your social media. And that means a lot. Yeah. A lot of, you know, businesses have shied away from, you know, expressing their voice and really hats off to you for doing that. Now, coming back to social media, and actually this is a question uh, I was going to ask you and I have to ask you uh, was your Instagram content is gorgeous, right? It's absolutely gorgeous. So my can you help us understand or someone, uh, you know, in terms of where you're prof a professional photographer in the past life or what happened there? Who is helping you with this? How are you coming up with so amazing content? Well, there's a lot of talented people out there. And the funny thing is, yes, I am. I, I In another lifetime ago, I was a photography editor at Condé Nast Publications. I was the, I was, I worked at and, and, and was on the founding team of Condé Nast Traveler, which is still exists. And then I went to Hearst Publications and was a photo editor there. So I do have a background in that. And I did spend a little time as an, as an art buyer as well. So there's, there is a visual sense. I, I grew up in Manhattan. So I, you know, I was exposed to a lot of art and culture as a child and as a, as an adult and a young adult and, so I think that that plays into it. But the truth is, I think I'm probably a good manager, right? I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who says, okay, we need some beautiful visual assets. And so how are we going to do that? Because right now we have, you know, a um, budget of nil, right? We, we have to be creative. We don't have any extra funds right now to pay big bucks for beautiful work. So in late December, I reached out to 10 local influencers to barter with them. Photos for gift cards, things that they give cards that they could either use themselves, give as a holiday gift. And it was a win-win situation. You know, they got to come in if they came in with their partner or their assistant or by themselves, they got a, they could have whatever they wanted from the menu. I mean, I had a, a few guardrails about what we needed. They took beautiful photos of our food and beautiful photos inside, outside. And I asked for, I, I think I asked for, you know, 
somewhere around eight photographs for the, for, you know, eight photographs. If I had eight assets from, from each photographer times the 10 who agreed to participate out of the 12 I asked, I got 10 responses. Eight of those have already um, handed them in. And so now I have this whole cache of gorgeous visual assets to play with. And they felt good about helping a small business in a, in a dire time of need. I got to meet you know, eight super creative, wonderful artists. And I, again, win-win, right? You're, Bettina, you're a true entrepreneur, resourceful, taking out of a box. Resourceful. I am resourceful. Yes, thank you. Uh, I mean, my God, that that's something, you know, I didn't think of that you could do that, but, you know, amazing idea. Great idea. Great strategy. Well, I think I have to say, I think it's because Chaya, people do find that there's an authenticity around what we have created. And I think people want to support that, right? So, yeah. You know, this wasn't one of my questions, but you touched on it. And I have to ask you regarding, and again, it goes outside like the thing for our this discussion topic for this podcast is like you touched on landlord. What advice do you have for someone who wants to get into the food and beverage industry and is negotiating or talking to landlords? Just one quick suggestion. What do you have? How to find good landlords? Well, I do think that it, and, and I touched on this before with that, that the two landlords that we have are two different locations. They vetted us as much as we vetted them. And I think that's very important because you it's a relationship like anything, you know, I mean, when things got hard, we needed to be able to try to work it out with everybody. So that's one thing is really be careful who you're getting into business with. And that includes a landlord. If you are, I think that the, the rules are going to change. Whereas, um, and I wouldn't say this necessarily about our landlords, but let's just talk big corporate corporate landlords or something like that, where you're paying all this money per square footage, that model is not necessarily going to work anymore. I mean, it may be that the only model for a restaurant is percentage rent. Finding a comfortable place where a comfortable amount where the restaurant says, well, I'm willing to give you X percent of my sales, you know, for, for each month. <laughs> And, and then tr everybody try to, you know, try to do your best, I guess, because right now, I mean, seeing downtown come back, I, I, I do feel pretty doomy gloomy about that coming back anytime in the near future. I do believe people, some people will come back to work, but they're not going to come back five days a week. There's going to be more of a balance of remote working. So really spend the time with your landlord your lawyer, hire a lawyer, hire a good lawyer, spend the money up front to, to make the deals that feel comfortable to you. It's going to, you know, you, it's a negotiation back and forth and you can do that with a landlord. You can go back and forth up to a point until it probably stings a little bit for everyone, but everybody's also kind of happy with where it ends up. Love that advice. Thank you. Very quickly, we are coming close to the you know, tail end of our podcast, uh, which is what advice, tips or pointers would you give to someone who is thinking of opening up a you know, restaurant or has already opened up and find, find themselves you know, in this pandemic 
what advice do you have? What tips or pointers would you give them? Well, I, I believe that great companies, even great small businesses have, have great cultures. And the way that we're building Chaya, the way that we're building our company is what matters most. It's, it's my job. It's my business partner's job. It's the team's job to build this business from the heart. We want to grow Chaya's root system so that we have something sound and strong that we can that can withhold the test of time. You know, we want to do big things, to build something valuable, to solve a problem, to provide a useful service. We want to leave the the world a better place. So if we build that foundation strong and with real meaning, we can withstand this test of time. And that's I think that's what we've seen in this pandemic is that we are just going in every day and making sure that we're still serving the best product and that our staff is happy and being taken care of and not getting overwrought. Um, and I know I want to do big things. I know I want to build something valuable. And I, it took me a long time to get to this point. I, I you know, I'm an older entrepreneur. And it took me a while to become fearless and just go for it. And so think big, be bold, take risks, um, but obviously um, with some forethought and, and be mindful along the way. Absolutely. And, you know, Bettina, I have to say, you know, this was something I felt during this pandemic where I would like to, like, you know, I would look up restaurants and I would like to understand why that restaurant exists. And this was before, you know, you and I met and we started talking about this podcast. It's like, I was like, most of the restaurants out there are feel like, you know, just a cookie cutter solution. And your story just warms me up. You know, it just touches my heart. And, you know, I want to, you know, support your business. And I'm pretty sure a lot of other people want to support. One is obviously, you know, we can uh, visit one of your location and, you know, order food or be your, you know, one of your customers, but is there anything else we can do to support your business? You know what? That's perfect. <laughs> I think supporting our business by by ordering food, by telling your friends, by checking us out online at chayatacos.com. I think that your listeners can learn a lot more about what we're doing and what we believe in just by looking at our website. It's pretty simple read. So um you know, and support your support your local businesses. They are the backbone of everything. And if they go away, we just have a cookie cutter world. And I don't want to live in a world that's just all uniform. And so, just support 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 small business. It's really important. It is the you know it, it employs most people in this country. And uh, and so we work hard. And uh, and I know other small businesses are working hard too. So when you can keep, keep them going. We will. Uh, well, that's it for this edition of small business as how they're adapting in this pandemic. We had Bettina on our show today. Bettina, thank you very much for making the time to talk to us. Absolutely. And, you know, we love to support you. You will, I will visit your location very soon. As soon as the snowstorm passes. Yeah. Okay. Great, Sajid. I hope you will. Thank you for tuning in to The Marketing Mojo. It was a pleasure to serve you all and share the story of a resilient small business. 
hit the subscribe button so that you receive a notification every time we release a new episode.